Today is the March 6th, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Today's message is titled, The Love of God, Part 1. If you'd like to donate to our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Today's reading is Psalm 92 in its entirety. And uh, you're free to follow along with a, in a Bible you brought yourself or the one in the pew, or uh, just be blessed by listening. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness and your faithfulness by n- night with the ten-stringed lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this. That when the wicked sprouted up like grass, and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on the are on high forever, for behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies will perish. All who do iniquity will be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil, and my eyes have looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evildoers who rise up against me. The righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish In the courts of our Lord, they will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Father God, I I wholly agree that it is good to sing for joy to sing, to sing to you, to sing about you, and, and to recount your works, your miracles that uh, brought salvation to me and, and to many of the folks um, that, are, that are here. Um, we thank you so much for that, and help us to live in gratitude of that, Lord, and help us to, um, Lord, Lord, to trust in you, to have confidence in you, even though we're in a world surrounded by a uh, people who hate you and hate your word and uh, are not particularly friendly to us either. And Lord, I pray that we would be, as, as David says here, that we would be confident in you and in your spirit. Uh, and Lord, I pray that, uh, that, that you, would, you would have us to, you know, we, we, would, uh, we, would, we would declare your praises in our old age. And Lord, help me and and, and those who are uh, in my area of age to uh, continue to praise you, continue to be thankful for you. 
And Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to come together to worship you in music, in the reading of the word, and the preaching of the same. I am thankful that we have a pastor who loves you, loves your word, and loves us. And I pray that you'd put on Pastor Steve on his heart what you would have him uh, teach us. And Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear and take to heart what we have heard. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you all here today at Hope Bible Church. Glad you could be with us this Lord's Day, this Communion Sunday as well. We live in a world where there are a fair amount of lies. You all understand that. You know about that. It can be, whether it can be in some school, it can be out in the political world, or just somebody you know at work. That's why it's important that we understand the truth, but particularly in what's most important, what we do here is we teach the truth of God. That, that's what we need to hear. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing that we can be here today. I was thinking of the, the, the Christians over in Ukraine. Uh, I would suspect that a lot of them aren't going to church this day, uh, but God has blessed us. We have freedom here. We're thankful for them. We need to keep praying for them. I'll tell you more about that later. But today I want to talk about the truth of one particular subject and next week as well. It's one of the most important truths that there is, and that's the truth of God's love. And specifically, the love that God has for us as Christians, for those of us who are his children. And only as a Christian knows and experiences God's love can he then love God and live for God and love the people then that God places in his life. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, 16 to 19, a little epistle in the back of the Bible there, right before Revelation, that talks a lot about God's love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 to 19. This chapter probably, as much as any in this epistle, as much as any in the Bible, talks a lot about God's love. Let's look at just three, four verses here. 16 to 19, 1 John chapter 4. It says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because he, as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Us. Let me just mention a few points from these verses. It says that a Christian knows and believes in God's love. That is, first, the Christian is one who knows what the Bible says about God's love, and then he believes it. He believes it. And in fact, God wants us to be ones who are convinced of the love that he has for us. You go to the end of Romans 8, and it talks there, those verses, I'll sum it up, what Paul says those last few verses is, I'm convinced that nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. And that's how God wants for each one of us here to be, ones who are convinced deep in our heart and soul that God loves us. Secondly, we see that Christian, the Christian abides in God's love. That is, that is he, he thinks about how God loves him. 
He daily depends on this love that God has for him. And the Christian then says who abides in God's love is one who abides in God. That is, he has this close relationship with God where he is continually experiencing and being comforted and being strengthened then by the love that God has for him. Then we see the Christian who knows and believes God's love is a confident person. He's not a fearful person. He's not afraid of people. We hear about that, that verse in Proverbs says, the fear of man brings a snare. He's not afraid of people. He's not afraid of trials. He's not afraid of problems. He's not afraid of the judgment to come. And that's because he really knows and believes and is convinced that God loves him. Next, we understand that the Christian who knows God's love is one who loves others, and that means both saved and lost. He's a loving person because he knows the love of God. We can only truly love other people if we know and experience God's love. As that verse says, I'll repeat it. We love because he first loved us. If you know a person or if it's in your own, your own self and you're not very loving, you know somebody else not very loving, they don't know the love of God like they should. That's, that's a simple and, and, and real answer. As Christians, we're greatly loved by God, greatly loved. But oftentimes we're like parents who really love their children but the children then don't realize how much God loves them. Those of you parents probably understand this. Does your child come up to you on a regular basis and say, thank you so much for how you've loved me? It just doesn't happen. They don't really realize it. And that's true for a lot of Christians. They don't realize and understand how much God has, has loved them. So it's important then just not, to, not just to know about this love, but, but then to know this love. We sang that song, Let Us Press On to Know the Lord. Well, let us press on to know the love of the Lord. That should be our desire. And my goal, my purpose today is to help you grow in knowing and experiencing the love that God has for you. How many different verses tell you that God loves you? Just general verses. You have the Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Uh, the verse in Psalm 26 it says, Your love is ever before me. And I walk continually in your truth. The verse in Psalm 63, your love is better than life. Now that's a good verse. Your love, God's love for you, is better than anything life has to offer you. Your love is better than life and many others. And you need to know and believe these verses that in general tell you that God loves you. It's just a general verse. But God wants you to know that, that, that he loves you in very specific and personal ways. And that's what we want to talk about today. How God loves you and personally expresses his love for you. Now, simple question here. I believe there's a simple, I know there's a simple answer. What's the single greatest demonstration of God's love for you as a Christian? What is it? That's it. Single greatest demonstration of God's love for you is that Jesus Christ died on the cross and then rose again for you. It says in Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 5. I'm going to sum it up here, but there's a verse there, verse 4. It says, because, he, because of his great love, and it talks about he, how he saves us. It's because of his love, the motivating factor that moved God to send his son down to this earth to die for you, to rise again for you, is because he loved you. John 3, 16, we know the verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The point I want to say here is God loved you by sending his son down to, the, down to this earth, not just to save you from sin, but to give you. 
took away something, the sin, but then he gave you eternal life, an everlasting relationship with God, experiencing his love, joy, peace, and everything else that's really good in life. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 talks about how, well, let's, let's go there. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. I have a lot to say today, and so I, don't, so, so I won't be reading all the verses, but I'll be sharing a lot. The handouts are back on the table there. You can get them afterwards if you'd like. That is my message I'm giving. Ephesians 5.1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. How can you imitate God as you know that you're loved? You know that you're loved by God. Beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So Christ loved you so much that he sacrificed his life. He suffered for you. He took your sins upon himself. You deserve to be punished for your sins by being apart from him forever in hell. But Jesus Christ, because of his great love for you, was punished for you. And God the Father punished his own son, Jesus, so as to save you from your sins, so as to give you eternal life, and so that he could then love you forever and ever and ever. That's what we're talking about today. He wants you to know his love. And someday we will know it more than ever and be with him in heaven. First John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We live in the world, and you all see all kinds of definitions. There are people talking about love, or there's this song about love. But, but this is what it is. Again, it goes back to what we said before. The love is shown that Jesus Christ gave his life for us. That word propitiation just means that God was satisfied completely, totally satisfied by what Christ, by what Christ did for us. And so again, Christ's death and resurrection is the single greatest demonstration of God's love for you. And it's foundational. And it's the means then, the means, the basis by which God then can show you all these other kinds of love, other ways that he loves you. And so this thought, if you forget that God loves you or you doubt that God loves you, then one of the most important things you can do is to take the time to think to think about how Christ died for you. Go back and think about it. Sit down. Take some time. We get in so much of a hurry. We need to have time to feed on the love of God, and this is one of the most important things right here. Now I want to look at some specific ways that God has shown his love to us, and I'm going to take this Sunday and next Sunday as well. Each of these topics I'm going to go through pretty quickly. There's a lot that could be said, but, I, but, but the goal the next two weeks is God loves you. And my desire now is to tell you specifically how he loves you. Forgiveness. Psalm 130. Turn to Psalm 130, verses 4, and then 7 and 8. Psalm 130, verse 4. Psalm 130, verse 4 says, But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There we see one of the results of knowing God forgives us. 7 and 8, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is loving kindness. With him is abundant redemption. Redeem Israel from all his iniquities. We see there in verse 7 the connection between God's love and his forgiveness, his redemption of you. That's what we're saying there. And so one of the greatest ways that we're, we know we're loved by God is that he forgives us of all our sins. The moment that you were saved, you were completely and totally and eternally then forgiven of your sins. And this, this means all our sins. 
little sins, big sins, sins in our thoughts, which are the most sins that we have, sins in our thoughts, sins in our words, sins in our actions, sins we commit before we're saved, sins we commit after we're saved, sins of commission and omission, that is, sins that we know we're doing and sins we don't know we're doing. And I would say to you this, that we probably sin a lot more ways and we don't know, even know about it. That is, our sins of, of commission, we, we know, but omission, we don't. There are sins like, like anger and covetousness, covetousness and fear and, and pride and selfishness, idolatry, laziness, impurity, immorality, all these sins and many, many more. Romans 8.1 sums it up. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of the devil's objectives is to get you to feel sinful, feel guilty. And God wants you to know and says it in so many ways in so many places in his Bible that if you're really truly in Christ, you're forgiven of all your sins. Now, God's word tells us that we're forgiven, but one way we experience this forgiveness is when we confess our sins to him. That is, we're going through the day and God's Holy Spirit convicts us, hey, you've done something wrong. We need then confess that sin. That's a means by which we can experience his forgiveness. It is spiritually invigorating and refreshing then to confess our sins to the Lord have a clean conscience, a soul that's cleansed from sin. I like, I really like how Psalm 51 says it. Verse 10 and 12, Create in me a clean heart. Restore, restore a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, verse 12, and sustain me with a willing spirit. So the person, and that's what Psalm 51 is all about, the person that is experiencing the forgiveness of God is one who's refreshed, one who's restored, one who's energized and excited in the Lord, refreshed then by the love of God. Very, very important. Very, very important that, that, that God helps you to be one who is confessing your sin. John 13 is the story there. Remember when Jesus was washing the feet of, of the apostles and Peter's there saying, why are you doing this? Well, that... He explains that what he's doing there in washing their feet is a picture of what we're talking about here. Just washing your feet, but it's a picture of how you need to be one who's daily, as, as, as God's Spirit convicts you, confessing your sin, then experiencing this love that God has for you. 1 John 7 says this, If we walk in the light, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and 9, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. So walking in the light, that's what we're talking about. Confessing your sin is walking in the light. This should be a, a daily continual practice of, for the Christian. We continue on. First one's forgiveness. Second one, redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. We're not going to read it, but it talks there about redemption in verse 7. And, and, and verse 5 tells us that God's love is the basis for our salvation. But then we go to verse 7. And this redemption, and it means, redemption means we're delivered from our sin by the payment of a price, which is Christ's death. We were slaves to sin, but no more as Christians because Christ redeemed us. He delivered us from being slaves to sin. That's what happened. It's a deliverance. It's, it's a price was paid, and the price, again, was Christ's death, so we're redeemed. Colossians 1, 13 to 14 also talks about this redemption. And there it says you've been delivered from the domain of darkness, which is really just saying you've been delivered from the kingdom of the devil. And so it actually says in 1 John 3.10 that, that before we're saved, we are children of the devil. We're children of the devil, but now we're children of God. And so it's true then that God 
Through Christ redeemed us, he rescued us, he delivered us from all these evil things. It's a wonderful thing. We've been rescued by the Lord. Next, adoption. We live in a world where many families aren't functioning properly, functioning the way God designed them to function. There's a great need in this world for better parents, for better mothers and better fathers, a great need for that. But no matter what kind of parents you've had in the past, maybe you're older now or whether you have right now, your most important need is that you have a Heavenly Father. Again, we can lament and moan if we've had a difficult time with our parents. Hey, the whole point here, the gospel, one of the main themes is now you have a Heavenly Father. You have a Heavenly Father, and He perfectly loves you. He's one who is patient and kind and gentle and giving and forgiving towards you. He's one who talks to you and who listens to you. He, he's one who has all the power that you need to do what God wants you to do. And so as a Christian, this is now true for you. You now have a Heavenly Father, and you are His child. And He greatly loves you. He greatly cares for you, and He will forever and ever and ever. Turn to Psalm 73. Life verses, some of my, I have a number of life verses. These are some of my favorite, more so in the last even the couple years. Psalm 73, 23, 24. We need life verses like this, the kind that you memorize, you think about, that you put on your wall. Psalm 73, 20, 73, 23, 24. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You've taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterwards receive me to glory. As a Christian, that's your life. That's right. That's it. Wonderful, encouraging truth that God gives us there. So we're ones who then are adopted into the family of God. The next one is, is provision. We know the prayer, Matthew six eleven, give us this day our daily bread. Because God loves you, because he loves you, he gives you daily bread. And you all know, we're all in the United States of America, we all understand what it means to have good food, to go to the supermarket and all kinds of wonderful food, and go to the restaurant, all kinds of wonderful food. We're blessed. He gives us our daily bread. But really, you can expand this, and it means really that he meets all your physical needs. Of course, this doesn't mean that you're not to work. Some people think that more and more these days. God wants you to work, and work is one of the means by which God then provides for you. God then gives you food, shelter, and clothing, and he meets really all your physical needs. But more so, he meets your spiritual needs. And God then gives you his grace. God gives you the Holy Spirit. God gives you the church. God gives you his word. God gives you wisdom and everything else you need to be the Christian God wants you to be and to live in the way that he wants you to live. Psalm 23, 1, we know the verse, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is, he meets your needs. And it goes on to say, the next verse, it says, He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That is, he meets my needs. But as again, I'm going to say it before, again after this time, is we need to be ones who take time with God so we can be satisfied by him, so we can experience the love that he wants us to have, so we can feed on his love. You all know what it means to eat food. You're here today. <laughs> You've ate, ate, eaten food. I've had breakfast this morning. I had my, my cereal. We, we know what it means to feed on physical food. You need know what it means to feed on the love that God has for you. Absolutely imperative for your life. Next, compassion. Psalm 103 says, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. 
He himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. I love these verses. Some of my favorite on compassion. God knows that you're physically needy, that you live in this physical body that's but flesh, that gets weak, that gets tired, that gets sick. All of you have experienced weakness and tiredness and sickness. And God knows, too, that you're spiritually tempted, spiritually needy. That is, you're daily, daily tempted. You have this continual fight with the devil, that you have struggles in your life and in your relationships, that there are trials that you go through. Life is not easy. We all know that. We all hear Sunday, and it looks like everybody's doing good, and we smile and we talk. But if we were to go into your life and what happened the last week or two or three, we'd say, well, there's been some needs. We all are needy people, and God has compassion on us. I, I think of, of a good mother who, who is, who's, who is uh, strong and, and caring and compassionate feelings for her children. And you, you all know, understand this. How much more so is our Heavenly Father toward us? How much more compassion does He have for us? He feels for you. As you go through life, you know, sometimes you, things are hard and, and you wish you could talk to somebody or somebody would be listening to you about how things are hard for you. Know that God understands more than anybody how you feel, what you're going through, the struggles. He cares for you when you are struggling, when you have troubles, when you have temptations. He's concerned for you. He has compassion for you. The verse in Matthew 9 says, Seeing the people, Jesus felt compassion for them, for they are distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Another version says they are helpless and harassed. As, as people, whether it's yourself or others, you walk down the street, you, there's people. You see their faces, their clothes, you, you know, you see them. But inside, everybody's got these hurts, distressed and downcast, harassed and helpless. And the Lord feels for us. He cares for us. Lamentations chapter 3 is great verses about the compassion the Lord has for us. And so more than you realize, God has compassion for you. And this compassion is not just a feeling on the part of Christ, but is that which moves him to action. It moves him to action and, sh- and to help you in, in, in whatever way that, that he can. He has lots of ways to help you. So he has compassion on us. Next, he protects us. Ephesians 6, 10, 11 talks about how our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness in the, in the heavenly places. You as a child of God need protection. Satan, God's number one enemy, hates you, is against you, and fights you much more so than you realize. He really, really does hate you, strongly so. I'm not saying that to get you afraid. I'm just telling you the truth. He'd like you wiped off the face of the earth. That's what he would like. The physical battles that range around our world are very small compared to the spiritual battles that we see. We're all aware of this war in Ukraine, and it's really it's, it's, it's sad. It's sickening. It's terrible. I mean, if you see any of the pictures at all, it's a terrible, terrible thing. But you have to understand that the spiritual battles that are taking place are much, much worse than that. It's a struggle against the forces of the devil, and the devil wants people to join him in hell forever. That's what we're talking about here, and God loves us. He wants us to be ones who trust in him or in his everlasting family. 1 Peter 5 talks about how your adversary, the devil, prowls around seeking to find people to destroy. Our heavenly and loving Father, then, 
is aware of every aspect of this spiritual battle, whether it's in your life or whether it's in this church as a whole or other places. He knows what's going on. He, along with the Lord Jesus Christ, they're building the church, the Holy Spirit. They're building the church. They're not unaware of what is taking place. And we need to understand this. And, 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 and God then, and with Christ and the Spirit, they watch over you and protect you in more ways than you realize. Just like a parent with a child, the parent might be protecting the child, and the child has no clue how the parent is really helping him. So important to see this. John 17, 15 says that, that Jesus keeps them from the evil one. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 18, the Lord will rescue you from every evil deed and will then take you to heaven. My favorite verse on protection is that one, 2 Timothy 4, 18. Rescue you from every evil deed. This doesn't just mean physical. Some will say, well, why doesn't God protect all those Christians over in Ukraine from physical harm? Because there are Christians who are suffering physically. Why? It's, it's what we're talking about here. That does happen, and God can do that. And there's many examples of how God protects the Christians. There's no doubt, and there's no doubt he's done that physically for you. No doubt. But we're talking about here spiritual protection. Spiritual protection and that he, if you are his child, if you are his son or daughter, he will make sure that you make it to heaven, and nothing will ever keep that from happening. And even though the devil would like to, he can't. And God himself will then make sure you get there because he's protecting you. It's by means of, of God's word. By means of the Holy Spirit, it's by means of the church, and it's by means of the angels, you're being protected. Now, this doesn't just mean you sit back and take it easy. God wants you to be ones who are fighting in this battle. You need to be ones who are trusting in, his, trusting in the Lord, using his word, and putting on the armor of God. Talked about in Ephesians chapter 6. The belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and also then to equip yourself with the sword of the Spirit. Important things. You go along and think, oh, God's going to protect me. No, you have to employ the means that God gives you. Talked about there in Ephesians 6. That's part of what, what God wants for you. You're in God's army, and you're a soldier of Christ. And God wants you to see that you're to be one who is fighting with Christ and these greatest of battles in the world, always remembering that the Lord is your protector. And he protects you because he loves you, just like a mother or father protects their children because they love them. That's what we're talking about here. Next one is fellowship. One of the main ways that God shows his love for, the, love for you is through the lives of other Christians. That's, that's what he wants for you. As you're involved in the church family, as you spend time with other believers, then you will experience God's love. That's what he wants. And if you're experiencing God's love, it means you're with other believers, and, and it's through them then that God shows his love to you. So important. I was very saddened by the, the COVID thing and in terms of how the devil used that to keep so many believers from church. I understand there's certain situations and maybe elderly or certain sick people. I understand that. But he really did a number on the churches. And God's sovereign. And there's one thing, I might have said this to you, but it was back in November, I was talking to the guy, he's the head of the Baptist churches in Hillsborough County, about 100, over 100 churches, Southern Baptist churches. And he said at that time that only 60% of the attendance was back. I thought, wow, 60%, that's 40%. Where, where are the people at? What's going on here? Again, I understand that there's, yeah, we, we closed down for a little bit, but not too long. We need to be together 
as a church family. You can't be sitting there at your, your, your little screen back at home and get fellowship, and you can't experience the love of God just through words coming through you on a screen. You can't, it can't work that way. It can't work that way. God wants to show his love to you, and one of the greatest, most important ways is through the lives of other believers. It may be expressed in their patience, maybe expressed in that they're forgiving towards you, or that they comfort you, or that they show you compassion. It may be that they just spend time with you, maybe express, and in, 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 in they just share the word of God with you. Many different ways we can experience the love of God through the believers. And you can only then fully see God's love for you as you're with other believers, as you're in a properly functioning church. I say a properly functioning church where the people are loving and caring and kind and, and forgiving and patience. And that's what God wants for us here. And I believe we are. We could probably grow in it, but I believe we're a pretty loving church. The point I'm saying, we need to be in good churches. If you're listening online, be in a good church so you can experience all the love that God has for you. And this love that you receive, remember, if you receive any love from any person, true love, godly love, it's love from God. You need to see it that way. If somebody's loving to you, that means God is loving you through that person. Sometimes you can experience people loving you, but, well, does God love me? Yes. <laughs> and he loves you in all these ways that we're talking about. Next, we're talking about how God loves us. The next area is purposes. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God has a very specific and special purpose for each one of you, and his plans then for you are the means by which you can fulfill his will and his purposes. And that God has plans for your life. Plans that, that relate to your character, to your experience, to, to relate to the kind of person you are, to the gifting you have, is an evidence of how God loves you. God loves you and that he gives you good plans for your life. That's, that's what we're talking about here. John, turn to John 14. John 14, 21, verse 21, then 23, Jesus talking, says, He who has my commands, verse 21, and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Obeying God's commands is the way that you fill God's plans for you. And obedience, and what it says here, if you love me, that is obedience to God, carrying out his commands, is motivated by his love for us. But then it says, and this is important, as you obey God, this results in you experiencing more of his love. That as a Christian, as a Christian, God loves you all the time. But you experience more of his love. And I like, I just love the way it says it here. I, I love him and will disclose myself to him. You'll have a very special, intimate relationship with the Lord as you know that he loves you, and that is you then love him by obeying him. Verse 23, um, it says, We will come to him and make our abode with him. Very special verses. Unlike, there's not many like this in the Bible, about the special relationship that God wants us to have with him, but particularly so as we obey him, he will disclose himself to us. And oftentimes there's certain Christians that are going around a little bit discouraged for whatever reason, the question they might want to ask themselves is this, is am I doing what God wants me to do? 
And as you do what God wants you to do, and I can testify to this time and time again, God will disclose himself to you. He will encourage your heart. He will encourage your soul. That's what, what we can say. So we can say then that the purpose and plans God has for you are then ways by which you can love God and love others and experience the love of God and also experience the love of others. So, so important. I, I think of oftentimes people in the world, and, and, and we all understand this, and this may have been a part of your past experience, is that you think, well, if I get in this good relationship, that person is going to love me, and that's, that's, the, that's what I need for my life. It don't work that way. What, what God says is we need to know his love, and we need to be loving others. And so if you have a, a marriage relationship, for example, there can be the expectation. The husband says, well, the wife should love me, and the wife says, the husband should love me. Well, no, I won't have that expectation. <laughs> you know, really, the love you get from a partner or anybody is like, is like the frosting on the cake, okay? What's most important is the cake, that God loves you, and you love him, Okay? And don't have this expectation for others to love you. It's just not going to work. It does not work. And anybody that's married knows that. They, they mean, <laughs> we're just humans. And we fail our partners. We fail one another. But, but what's critically important, this is what's helped me through the years. I just have, I just have a strong, I'm, I mean, I know my wife loves me, and that's good, okay? That's, that's good. I like that. But what's most important is when I get time with the Lord and know that he loves me, and I sense that and then experience that as it goes through life, that's what, that's what helps me. That, that's, that's, that's the key. That's the key. Okay, we talked about purposes next. God's word. One of the biggest ways that God shows his love to you is through his word, what we call the word of God or what we call the Bible. It is indeed the greatest love letter uh, in the world, uh, Back 35, 36 years ago, my wife sent me a number of love letters, okay? And uh, they're great love letters, okay? But you know, the thing about them that, that I still think about is that they were filled with verses. Verses that talked about the love of God. So I knew, I knew, man, this person, this Marcia, this is back before we were married, I knew that she knew that God loved her. That was key. I, I would never, and I'd never encourage anybody to marry anybody else if, if they're not being loved by God. Does that person have a strong relationship with God where they know that God is loving them, they're experiencing that? It just doesn't work. And so it's so important here and, and that God tells us in his word. So, so, so God tells us that he, lo- he loves us. Think about parents. I don't know what your family's like. I was in a family, my mother, dear mother, very kind mother, made sure our needs were met. But I don't ever remember her telling me ever, ever that she loved me. Okay, I mean, God saved me when I was 18. That's good, so I understand that. And some of you might have been in a family like that, okay? But the point is, it's not, again, we're trying to direct you to the Lord here. And, and we talk about parents who love you. Some parents don't love, or some parents may love you, but they don't ever tell you that you love you. What we're saying here very simply is this, is God loves you, and God tells you that he loves you. That's it. That's it. Talking about all these different ways that God loves you, and he tells you that he loves you. God tells you over and over again in his word that he loves you. And these verses are important. They're important to me. When I have my time with the Lord, I... When there's a verse that talks about how he loves me, I, it, it stands out. Psalm 31, 7, I'll rejoice in your love because you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. A great verse for when you're going through trials. You're going through a trial. I rejoice in your love. You knew what I was going through. Jeremiah 
31. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Well, that's a good verse. And I, I could give you so many. Maybe I should do this sometimes. Just give you a whole list of verses that talk about how he loves you. But I, I say here the word love and speak about love, that particular word. We've talked about how God shows his love to you in other ways, being compassionate, providing, you know, all these, giving you purposes, all these things. And so God tells you in his word that he loves you. And God loves you in his word that he, that, that he, he gives directions for you. I've mentioned this before. God gives you directions and plans for your life. Psalm 32a says, I will lead you in the way that you should go. And God loves you by telling you the hope that he has for you. And when you read the verses in hope in the Bible, you see that these are verses about how God's going to love me in the future. So, so here's what we're saying. God loves you in the present by telling you how he's going to love you in the future. Got it? That's it. God loves you now in many ways, but one way is by giving you hope. That is, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to keep loving you forever and ever and ever. It's not a vague way. There's so much, as you know, as we preach here at Hope Bible Church about the hope that God gives for us. And through his word, God speaks to your heart. And his purpose then is to meet your needs, to encourage you, to comfort you, to lead you, to, to correct you. That's what God has for you. So it's important then, very important, that you get time alone with God where you can read his word and hear he, these verses that speak about how God loves you. So don't miss getting time with God. Don't miss it. Get time with God, where God can speak to your heart about how much he loves you. Very important. In his word. And again, there's so many verses, but let me, let me give a couple of examples here. John chapter 1, verse 39, verse 20, 38. John 1, 38, it says, uh, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day for about the 10th hour. I would have loved to know what that day was like. They, they, they stayed with him that day. I mean, they were with him for a long time. I can't, can't doubt at all that and, and I know that he shared his love with them in different ways. Go to Luke 10, 39. I believe you know this verse here. 1039, talking about Martha and Mary. Martha had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Are you doing that? Are you seated at his feet listening to his word? Listening to him tell you how much he loves you? So good. Next one, Luke chapter 24, 29. Luke 24, 29. Just these pictures of, of people who were spending time with Jesus. And I'm not talking about the disciples. We know they spent, what, two and a half years with him going around and, and spent a lot of time, but just these few here. 24, 29, 28, 28, 29, Luke 24. As they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. Say, Lord, can you stay with me? <laughs> I want to be with you. These, these are important truths. And, and sometimes we are so, so busy. You should never be too busy for God. Knowing, not that God needs you, but you need him. And he wants to show you that he loves you. He wants to tell you that he loves you. That's what he has for you. And don't go looking for love in the wrong places. I think you know I mean by that, right? 
You go look to the Lord. You look for God. You look to his word. You're in a church. All these things I've talked about. Go to God and his word. Then you'll hear from him how much he loves you. This little prayer is a good one. A few verses as we close. Psalm 90, verse 12. Satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love that I might sing for joy and be glad all my days. So it's, it's fine. So, Lord, you show me your love. That's a perfectly fine prayer. Now, to go to somebody else that you know, you got to love me. Don't work. God, you satisfy me. That verse is one that Jeff read in Psalm 92. It is good to declare your loving kindness in the morning. You know what that's saying? We get up in the morning and say, well, what kind of day is this going to be? Hope it turns out all right. I don't know what's going to happen. You know what the psalmist is doing here? He's declaring it. I'm declaring this day that God loves me and that he's going to show me his love through the day. It is good to declare his loving kindness in the morning and that it faithfuls at night. You know what that means? That means you, at nighttime you look back, yep, God loved me here, 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 all these different ways all day long. Your soul is satisfied with the love that he has for you. Psalms 57, God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. Great verse. Well, we need that. We need truth. We need the love of God. God will send it forth. Indeed, this is what the Lord has for you. Let's pray. God would put these truths in our heart. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your great love for us. And we would have to say that we've barely even experienced this great love. Great is your love towards us, says in your word. Great is your love towards us that you delivered our souls from the depth of the grave. But thank you, Father, for this. I just pray that, God, by your spirit, by your word, by being in fellowship, all these different ways I mentioned here today and more next week, God, we would be ones who see and understand and comprehend and be convinced of your love for us. We would never doubt it. And we think of Paul's life. He went through so much stuff. Man, difficult things. You read Psalm, excuse me, Romans 8, 35 to 39, all the difficult things he went through, things in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, all the difficult things, but God, he knew that you loved him. Might we be like this too? I think of the the Christians over in Ukraine. May they never doubt your love for them, even though they are going through the worst time of their life. May they never doubt it, that you love them. Might they be so convinced of your love for them. God, this is important. And we pray for all that's going on over there. That's a physical battle. It's, it's really sad. It's really sick what's going on. But God, we know you're sovereign. We just pray. I pray for the churches. I pray for the pastors. I pray for the parents, mothers and fathers. I pray for the children, that God, you'd help them. That God, by your Holy Spirit, you would just do an amazing miracle in their heart and speak to them, God. Might your Holy Spirit be poured out and those who are Christians over in that country. Might you then use this even for people to get saved and be drawn to you, Lord, knowing that you're the only answer. And I can't help but think that a lot of people are praying who are non-Christians. Lord, help me. God, help them by saving their soul. That's what they need more than anything else. But thank you, God, again for this time here, this church here you've given us. We bless you again for your great love for us. Again, might each one of us here grow in experiencing the love that you have for us, no matter what happens through thick and thin, through good days and bad, might we always know that you love us. Thank you again now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.